persistently hunt into the fantastical world of Keyforge, discussing lore, rules, strategies, decks, organized play, and of course the Nordic Keyforge League. Hold off on your nature's call, hear the piping of the bear flu, and maybe find yourself surrounded by dust pixies and fuzzy ruins. This is the Nordic Keyforge podcast. Now oh, they're everywhere! <laughs> oh, fantastic. Welcome to the Nordic Keyforge podcast. I am the captain, um, also known as Jason, and uh, we're here for episode 10. Fantastic. Welcome, everyone. Welcome to Hydro. Hi, thanks. Glad to be here. And welcome to Zaramis. Hello, hello. Great to be here. I heard there was a witch here, but they're gone now, right? I, th- I hope so. I hope so. It's a bit, it was a bit, bit, bit strange, but the witch did what they needed to do. and A bit unnerving. A little bit unnerving, yeah. Um, and we're joined here with the guest tonight as well. Uh, we're joined here by Jonas Kandika, also known as the Candyman, or just Candyman, I guess. Hey, Jonas, welcome to the Nordic Keyforge podcast. Hello. Thank you for having me on the show. Great that you are here. Um, I've been trying to, I tried to get you on a couple of weeks, for a couple of weeks now, so I'm glad we've uh, uh, got you in here. But before we talk about anything else, how has everyone's Keyforge week been? Uh, let's start with um, Hydro. Okay. Yeah, so uh, the thing I've been doing most is preparing my league lineup for the upcoming season of the league. Um, and uh, I got an offer on Sunday, like the last day, I got an offer to buy some decks. Uh, and I took, there were uh, a former league player uh, said, I have some decks for sale. And I tried to buy two of them, uh, but I was a bit, <laughs> I wasn't sure. And I was putting my, I was offering too little money. So one of them got taken out <laughs> by someone else already. <laughs> Uh, by the time I finally made an acceptable offer. Uh, because, you know, at first I didn't really want to buy because I have had a principle not to pay more than 500 kronor, which is around $50 for a deck. And these decks were better than that. But then I took a shower and I was like, no, these decks are worth more. I will make another offer. And then when I came back from the shower, one of them was already gone. But I got the other one. So so that was good. And... Uh, then I started playtesting it, and it started out 5-0, so that was very good. And then uh, I played some games yesterday and immediately lost two times. So I should have stopped after the first five <laughs> games. But I'm Fresh happy. Deck. I'm happy with uh, with uh, with the uh, buy anyway. It's uh, the deck that has been played by Niklas in pre- uh, by mm. uh, Nikla Nikliako. Uh, in uh, previous seasons, uh, he played it in the store championship in uh, in uh, the first one they had in Karlstad. Uh, yeah. It's uh, mm. let's see, I don't remember the name right now. Uh, I don't think it's relevant. But... No, it's Untamed uh, Shadows Sanctum. Very okay. a lot of pips uh, and a lot of steel, uh, basically. Did you get a receipt just in case it tanks this season and you need to return it? <laughs> uh, no, but but it has something like it has over 30 expected amber and uh, it's just very fast. Uh, it's okay. He couldn't beat my one of my best decks when he tested it, so I feel confident. <laughs> uh, yeah. <laughs> I mean, we'll, we might even find out this week, surely, when uh, you guys play each other uh, in, in, in the first game of the league. Which brings on to Simon. What's your, uh, um, how's your Keyforce week? Well, I remember last time when I came uh, fresh off losing my KFPL game. So uh, I have been doing very little uh, Keyforge since last time. I prepared my uh, I prepared my uh, decks for the league, and uh, yeah, I went with a lot of true and tried decks that uh, have been in the league before. Um, I've did some meta analysis in my own head and then decided to go with what I have gone with every time. Uh, with a few <laughs> exceptions. They're just better than the others. So, uh, And I think that they will be a good fit. But I haven't been playing 
a single game since last week. Not a, not a single game? Not a single game. I've been busy uh, with the uh, very nice real-life things. Good to hear. Good to hear. Um, Candyman, how's your Keyforge week been? Uh, it's been quite busy. I uh, had prepared myself uh, playing the, the decks I'm going to use in the league. I usually don't play uh, those decks much uh, in between seasons because uh, uh, it gets kind of boring, I think. I, uh, I like to play uh, low SAS decks and reversal and uh, other formats. And I think, uh, yeah, it's, it's just time to heat up the engine. Uh, mm. So I sparred a lot. A lot of sparring. Nice, nice. A lot of preparation going in there for your game against uh, Mr. K-pop. Um, coming up as well. The heat is on. Uh, I think I've played more Keyforge in the last seven days than I have done since the beginning of last season. Um, I I streamed on Friday nights, um, trying to get my lineup going. I spent an hour on Sunday nights looking at deck analysis and going through all the meta and trying to find out my decks and at the very last minute changed my mind of what I was planned on Friday night and then Monday night I probably played eight nine eight or nine games just straight in a, off the bat in a row and last night I played some uh, Keyforge in real life with the friends um, which was amazing dark tiding sealed and regrowing my appreciation for dark tidings as well such such fun with dark tidings in real life uh can't wait to get back on the table and so and that was against uh salomon who is uh, he was involved in one of the cups last season as well but uh he's an in real life player uh there as well hoping to grow the key for scene in the scarborg um English just ruins the Swedish language, doesn't it? Swedish names. I'm really sorry, Sweden. <laughs> I remember that I had did play some Keyforge, by the way. Sorry to cut you off here, but uh, I played with wow. Magnus uh, Amertaka on uh, Thursday in real life. Wow. So two that, people got some it, real life Keyforge. Code, Zaramis, that was totally worth cutting me off. That was fantastic. Great. Great, yeah. Keyforge. My league deck won, uh, or my league decks won, and my other decks all lost. So I'm, I was happy with the choices. Which decks? You'll, you'll hear about that in a later <laughs> segment, maybe. <laughs> okay, great. Before we get on to our uh, main segment here, we just do a very, very quick league update. And I've kind of talked to this about a little bit as well, but the deadline has passed for the deck submission. Everyone has submitted their decks. There's some very strong lineups the whole way down from uh, Diamond down to the two bronze leagues as well. Uh, and I think the bronze A is even is one of the strongest, top three strongest lineups as well. And so in silver, we can feel the heat um, underneath us, uh, knowing what's going to be coming next season, even if we drop down or what's going to be coming up. So uh is going to be a really, really fun season. The, in the next week, though, uh, in Diamond, we have Hydro versus Zaramis, and we have Candyman versus Mr. K-Pop, which is going to be fun reporting on next week. <laughs> Let's start the trash talk now. Um, <laughs> uh, and I am in silver. I'm up against um, Anders uh, Martian, uh, Martian Dog. Um, who I'm hoping to get on the podcast later as well, because he's another Dark Tidings uh, fanboy, and uh, yeah, we need to we need to fly the Dark Tidings flag. Um, so we're going to be reporting on a little bit of the fun um, next week um, of the matches that have happened so far, and uh, this is going to be a great season. It's looking really, really good. Uh, I am, of course, counting with defeats on all fronts. Like I have done every season since season three, or like uh, when I was in uh, Division Three, mm. uh, so, and everyone else is as always hyping me up. But uh, once again, I want none of it. I am going in for losses all across the board. 
you're going for losses. Is that why you have gained promotion every single season that you have been in the Nordic Keyforge League? This sounds like false news to me. <laughs> if anyone wants, if anyone wants to go to the uh, Nordic Keyforge League website nkfl dot online and look through the history of the league, you would see, you will see that I am very far from being Donald Trump. This is not <laughs> fake news. <laughs> Okay, I promise not to let, get political. So um, let's go into our main section here. Uh, this week, we are going to be talking about game preparation. Um, and this could not come at a better time with the league starting up now. And really, how do you prepare for a match? And this is why we have uh, Candyman with us, Jonas Kandika. Uh, we're going to be talking about this in the context of the Nordic Keyforge League, but everything that we talk about is going to be able to transfer to a lot of the other multi-deck formats. Um, we have to consider meta banning, protecting matchups, all of the same elements that we have to talk about when we when when, when we do most formats here, uh, apart from sealed, of course. Um, but Candyman. Before we get on to the hot subject of uh, match preparation, we want to know, how did you start playing Keyforge? What's your journey into the Crucible? Yeah, it's a a long journey. I played uh, Magic during the Magic the Gathering during the early 90s uh, on a competitive level. Moved on from there to play poker, Texas Hold'em. Uh, and from there I um, played a lot of board games uh, tried to compete in, in board games uh, there's not a lot of arrangements for competitiveness in, 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 in board games so uh, when I any, stumbled, any, any examples in, there? Uh, don't mind me asking uh, board game examples yeah yeah it's everything from uh, 80s game like uh combat cars to, to, to more modern games. Uh, I, I play just about everything, but I like to compete and uh, uh, board games are more uh, about socializing. Uh, uh, so I wanted to find a game that I could uh, compete again since I'm a pretty competitive guy and uh, I stumbled more or less upon Keyforge and uh, Bought a deck or two and started introducing my friends and uh, and soon we were uh, uh, a big bunch of players in in Falun. Fantastic, and and that's in in Falun, you, you say, in yes. uh, in in the as you call it the, the north the mid Sweden, which is the, the north of most of the population of Sweden. Uh, Dalekorla. Dalekarle, I think you say in English about Dalarna. Okay. okay. Um, yeah. So it's that 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 part of that part of the country as well. Um, I want to hear more about the this the scene in Falun actually. But before we do that, what's your favorite house? It's uh, this, of course. This. Why this? Uh, I like the the feeling of control, and I like to manipulate and. Uh, Decide, like control of the weak mark of these, uh, that kind of place. Uh, I, I like to control what's happening. And this is a good house for that. Well, you're not alone, because I think Darren is, that's your favorite. It was your favorite as well, wasn't it, this? Yeah, it's your... uh, generally house this. It, it does the most of the things that I find like interesting with permanent removal and uh, things like that. But I also find it a little bit boring that so many people like it. So uh, I have a love for House Unfathomable nowadays as well. So, so looking at uh, the decks for <clears throat> for the, the Diamond League, uh, as Jonas posted, uh, as Sysox posted in uh, uh, in the Discord, this is by far the most popular house in the Diamond League. So we have thirty seven the decks out of 48 have this in them. So you you two are not alone in liking this. 
and then yet I have the least amount shared with five other people or having uh, only four disc decks. Yeah, I also I only I have, have four, I think, yeah. this season. Candyman, have you gone six for six with this, this in your decks? Uh, I can't quite remember. I, I don't think You're I did. also at four. Also at four as well. Okay, wow. Great, but in Fallon, you say you're you've you've got a few players in in Fallon. Um, how are you involved in that, and how how does the keyforge scene in Fallon sound like? Yeah, we have uh, organized uh, some kind of fraternity or club. Uh, we are a small community uh, compared to Stockholm or other great cities. We are around. 15, 20 people, uh, and we organize events uh, in all in all different formats. Everything from reversal, sealed, adaptive, uh, and uh, they are open mostly for all to participate. But we also have uh, more closed uh, tournaments. We call them club tournaments or club championships. Uh, and we have uh, also two own formats that we play here in in Dalarna, uh, called Bulletstorm and Friends and Foes. Wow. Okay, you've got your own formats. Uh, That's fi- exciting. Fifteen people sounds to me like a lot of people in. That's in... like we've got five of us in Quivda. Yeah. Yeah, in uh, Stockholm, I mean, <laughs> we would be happy if we had four people showing up. I mean, that was normal. Four people showing up for our mm-hmm. events. So. Sometimes more, but often just four. Yeah. Well, there we go. Keyforge is alive in the north of Sweden. Well, mid-Sweden. That's really, really great to hear that... um, that that's where the Keyforge scene is at in Sweden. So um, that's fantastic. I want to hear more about those formats, but we've held this off for long enough you're known for having a bit of a vigorous pre-game routine for for your games and that is why i've invited you or we've invited you and actually we've i think it was uh hydro who suggested getting you on um and yeah what is this pre-game routine can you talk us through from like deck selection through to the um, choosing your first, whether you're going to mulligan or not on your first deck. How? What do you do? Yeah, uh, my preparation routines, as it is today, can be divided into three parts. Uh, where the first part is the the, the forecast. Uh, uh, I make forecasts about the future, the meta in the division I'm about to play in. And to do that, I have to dig in to the past, the last season's tables, results, and decks are valuable information. And there are puzzle pieces that makes me able to make qualified guesses about the future. Uh, other puzzle pieces are which players are moving up, which players are relegated. And the uh, hypothesis I use is that players that are successful or on a winning streak seems less interested in making big changes in their setup while the opposite when losing it. Uh, uh, it's important to emphasize that it's not science or facts, it's probabilities and estimates, call it guesstimates. Um, uh, since Keyforge is much a game about matchups, you, you can see this uh, analysis as a element of rock, paper, scissors. And uh, that's also the reason why you should make forecasts. Uh, if everybody's playing scissors, I must sure to bring a rock to the table uh, or, or a giant scissor. Uh, if everybody's playing shadows and decks that are stealing like beep uh, or the most common strategy, you better bring some anti-steal in uh, or maybe the king Kong of steel. Uh, and beat them at their own game. Um, there's really nothing revolutionary there that's come on game theory. Uh, 
But when you make forecasts about the future, there's a lot of digging in historical decks and their data. Uh, and it's equally important to uh, include coming trends in the forecast. For example, the last season, Dark Tidings was uh, newly released and it hadn't really been properly introduced. Uh, from what I have experienced so far since last season, I expect the upswing in Amber Burst decks and Combo decks. And that is something that I bring into my forecast. Uh, I think the high-end Dark Tidings decks are going to bring something new to the table. Uh, I expect the few data decks that make it into deck selection are going to make uh, impact in the league during season 30. Um, so uh, uh, the forecast step, uh, the meta-analysis, that's something that takes me to the next step where I call uh, uh, deck selection. Mm. If we if we stick on the meta analysis just for now, is this something that you you do like with you know just looking through and in your like you just do in your mind, or have you kind of written a computer program to to forecast this stuff with like business business analyst data, Power BI, that kind of data? Do you just put it onto a machine and read what it comes out, or you is this kind of un, unartificial intelligence, um, i.e. your brain? <laughs> yeah, it, it, it's, it's my brain, but I, uh, I'm uh, pretty comfortable with uh, working with uh, forecast programs. Uh, so so it, it's just the method, more or less. But it's it's 50% gut feeling, 50% uh, experience, uh, and, and uh, it's really... I don't know if we could call it a high level or low level, but it's kind of uh, categorizing what you're up against. I haven't selected anything yet. I just want to categorize what I'm about to play against. Uh, and I get a good feeling on uh, what, what I should bring to the table to be able to do it. Wow, uh, that, that's... That that's thorough. <laughs> um, what did, with with your with with your forecasting? Do you find that your your forecast is is on the right side of correct when you actually when you're actually living at like looking at the last season, for example? Um, were you far off your forecasting, or did you find that actually you'd missed some some areas? Uh... I I, uh, I think my last season forecast was pretty accurate, but but it I uh, underestimated the 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 need for board control. I think in in uh, now it's called uh, the platinum division. I was promoted there from there, but uh, I I uh, underestimated the my opponent's ability to, to build big boards. Uh, if I could do something, uh, if I correct, could correct my forecast, I would uh, uh, include a more couple of gateway to this or something like that. I feel a bit targeted by this uh, forecast <laughs> correction. <laughs> uh, it should be said for our viewers or listeners that... Uh, uh, both me and uh, Candy were promoted, and I delivered. What was it? All three of your three of your four losses, or something like that. <laughs> I mean, was Aramis? I think you you knew when you signed up for being on the podcast that your a lot of your methods will be out in the open and uh, access to. Uh, yeah, I've also been a person who's never been secret about it. I yeah, <laughs> I tell people I I haven't actually had any secret strategies, and my decks have remained roughly the same, but. Uh, yeah um great um i've got loads more questions about this meta-analysis stuff because really your 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 method is you know data rules and obviously the more seasons the more the more the league goes on the more data that you're gonna have um which is it's just something i don't 
I don't have the time to do so much because I think I'm on more of the on, on Hydro's way of play, play, play and get to know your decks as well. But it's definitely something to think about. Um, you mentioned that, you know, this was before deck selection. You started to talk about deck selection. So I'm guessing deck selection is the next stage. Yeah. Uh, deck selection. Uh, what should I say? If the forecast was the map, then deck selection is a compass. Without the map, it's difficult to navigate. Uh, and the map gives you a sense of direction. Uh, even if the forecast in the end was bad, and it's it's like you're holding the map upside down. It, it uh, limits your deck choices and speed up the deck selection process. And if you got many decks and many things to, to consider, it's uh, valuable. Uh, uh, but you still have to play test and make sure that the deck is doing what it's supposed to do. Uh, but you don't have to play test a hundred decks. You have narrow it down. Uh, uh, and uh, when, I've, when I have identified somewhere around 10 to 15 candidates uh, that seems to fit my criteria, then I do a quick SWOT analysis on each of the candidates on the decks. Uh, and the S stands for strength, V, W for weaknesses, the O for opportunities, and the T for threats. Uh, and that's a, that's a method that is usually used by companies to analyze the organization or marketing opportunities and such. But I have adapted it to, to Keyforge. Uh, it has replaced much of my spreadsheet notes, scribblings, and gets me organized and uh, focus on the right things. That's, um, that's fantastic. I use SWAT. I use SWAT quite regularly in my in yeah. my work, but bringing that into Keyforge, I have not considered that. Um, now mm -hmm. it's uh, it's uh, really effective. Uh, it plays as much of, as I said the spreadsheet notes. Uh, I just draw. a two by two grid for each of the deck, two rows and two columns. In the upper left corner, I write an S and start to write down the strengths of the deck that I'm analyzing. Only a few sentences, uh, what makes the deck good on its own? I usually refer to some of its uh, stats, uh, like high amber generation or really good disruption. Uh, what makes the deck fun to play? And what made me select the deck in the first place? That's what I write in the upper left corner. Uh, in the bottom left, I put the V and list the deck's weaknesses. Uh, also pretty much focused on, on, uh, on the stats perspective. Low creature control, bad ember control, etc. And uh, Sometimes I have a hard time figuring out weaknesses. Uh, after all, it's uh, supposed to be one of my top decks. Um, but I dig a little deeper by asking myself questions like, what is it that prevents this deck from being my best deck? Um, or the last time that I lost a game, uh, was there a stat or ability that could help me? What was this deck lacking? Uh, it's often I find it the, the hardest uh, uh, what call it uh, the, the hard, hardest criteria to, to fill in because uh, I only of course select top top decks or what I think is top decks uh, and uh, the two left columns uh, focus mostly on the internal factors uh, what I think of about the deck isolated and without an opponent. I try to keep the comparisons I do in the left column with my own decks. Uh, then I move it to the upper right corner and it's time for O, opportunities. Uh, there I scribble down useful combos, gimmicks, and the big plays that the deck are cap capable of. Uh, I also write down uh, weaknesses I look for an opponent's deck, things I want to exploit, and the typical decks I tend to beat. 
so in the right column it's uh, external factors there's more uh, the interaction between my deck and the opponent's deck I, I scribble down notes um, and last but not least in the bottom right corner it's the T the threat section uh, there are write down things that could make the game go in wrong direction uh, things I don't want to happen things I want to avoid an example would be that an early Ethan's Jar, Quixie Stone, or Curiosaurus would kill me since I got no artifact control. Uh, if there are any known archetypes, arch enemies, nemesis decks, or cards that I don't want to encounter, I, I note it there. Um, but and after I completed the SWOT analysis of the chosen few, uh, then I Hopefully, I have material enough to thin the decks down to, to, to six. Uh, and I do that simply by doing side-by-side -side comparisons uh, and decide what do I want to do and which deck does it best. Uh, if I don't get all the way down to six decks, I playtest a little more until I feel that I have a lineup that uh, represents what I want to do. Uh, so uh, it's not so much about winning percentages to make the cuts, it's about that the deck performs what it's supposed to do and that it beats the kind of deck that I want it to beat. Uh, I think the, the league format creates a lot of space for, for, for the rock, paper, scissor element and for mind games. Uh, better than a straight Orcum format. Uh, that's pretty much to the banning and protecting parts. Um, so I I have a question. Do you cross-reference the meta-analysis then with your SWOT analysis to yeah. make to make the final deck selection? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, they they got to fit the, the criteria. Uh, they they got to be the, that kind of decks that could beat the decks I want to beat. So the decks that I forecasted that I will encounter. All of this is very similar to something me and Gunnar have been doing between the leagues. We also have had a document where we've tracked all matches and uh, so on. And since we are not really allowed to discuss it during the league, we've had uh, uh, we've had uh, intense discussions between the leagues where we've done threat assessments in almost the same way, but also like looked at averages and uh, seen how each match actually played out uh, and uh, even like what was banned a lot by different but what is perceived as a threat versus what is actually a threat like do people keep banning the same deck that isn't actually winning and so on so i recognize a whole lot of other things you're saying mm. how, how many seasons have you have you been doing this this method like how how many how over over which time, how long time period has this developed yeah into uh, what you have today the, the the first and the second step have have been uh, around for a couple of seasons i played since uh, season 2 in the mtf league but uh, uh, i haven't hadn't really uh, all this set from the beginning it, it is something that has evolved uh, mm. and, and the, the league has uh, changed during the course of time mm. so, so so i don't think it was uh, that necessary and and uh, the competition is harder and harder uh, so so i think it's something that have grown uh, over the last seasons three or four yeah. seasons i i, I uh, Okay. Yeah. I think I had 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 something like this, but the pre-game routine that I'm going to talk about uh, last year—that's uh, something that took its final form during season eleven. Okay. Okay. So that this is what we're coming up to in a second is 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 a very very new routine that's come out of of where you've been already um, as well. Do you do you Kate a few. I think episode three, we talked about a lot about the meta um, and deck selection as well. Um, and 
I remember two two kind of opposite ends of the scale coming out there whereas one one lineup can be as broad a range as you can get so that you can have decks that answer that can answer to everything and you've always got a choice and the other end of the scale where i think um Zaramis, you mentioned about having lineups where you know all the everything does has the same meta everything can do the same thing so it really really gives the opponent a, a difficult choice of which to ban where what part of that scale do you find yourself on with some of with some of your deck selection you don't have to answer about this season of course because you know this is um i feel i feel like i'm kind of probing too much into um uh there but what where, where do you find yourself looking for in general yeah i think the smartest uh, for me uh, at least uh, in the last season, it, seasons, it had been to have a very harmonized lineup. I think that had been uh, very successful. But with a harmonized lineup, you better really be spot on on the meta. Uh, and uh, it's no secret, the decks are <laughs> public now. I have uh, a different tools. I bring different a set of different tools this season. I have two rocks, two papers, two two scissors. A little. Uh, I I hope that uh, by banning and protecting the right games uh, decks, then I, then I can uh, uh, get the advantage. Uh, it's very. It's, it's a new, since I've been promoted, I don't have much history. It's, uh, it's Simon uh, and a couple of other guys that, that I know a little about. The rest is guesstimates. Uh, and now when I look at it, I think uh, I did the wise choice to, to have a diverse toolbox. Because I'm really going to need it. Uh, I see a lot of... Uh, combo-oriented strong decks. Uh, I agree. I actually went with that kind of approach as well before. I changed my approach a lot going into the diamond, the highest division. I went from a more harmonized lineup that would exploit weaknesses, and now I counted with the decks not having many weaknesses anymore. So I went with a diverse lineup that I can try to adapt to single situations rather than try to exploit the weaknesses of my opponent. So you didn't go for six Eaton's Jar decks? No, I did not go for my six Eaton's Jar decks. I am uh, disappointed. I thought about it, but uh, no. But I also went with, yeah. you know, lots of infernuses, lots of blocking stuff, lots of uh, things that can disrupt the opponent's deck mm. plan, because every deck will have a plan in the highest divisions. Yeah. Yeah. That 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 deck selection and using SWOT analysis, I really really do enjoy. On Friday night when I when I was streaming, I was playing a couple of decks that I hadn't played in three or four seasons. I'm trying to remember why did I drop this deck? I could not remember why. Why haven't I been playing this deck for the last three three seasons? Asking, wishing that I'd made some notes. Of you know maybe it was just a bad game or you know etc etc but um, I think this is something I'm gonna have to try next season myself. Um, Pre-game routines you mentioned was the next stage. Um, the last couple of seasons, how how how's that developed now? Uh... <clears throat> It's, it's developed a lot for me since uh, I said earlier uh, the, the current uh, pre-game routine I have it's uh, uh, sometime during season 11 it took its final form uh, it's no hocus pocus or abracadabra it's uh, I do I make a six by six grid grid in Excel uh, in a spreadsheet uh, and there I start to pair every possible combination of decks against each other uh, where I analyze stats and look at my 
short scribblings uh, make the yeah, it's kind of forecast or prediction about outcome of each possible game. Uh, it's a win or a loss or a uncertain outcome if I can't uh, tip the scale in any way. Uh, so there are three possible choices for each game. Uh, then I sum the winning, losing or uncertain probabilities for each deck. And the ones that have the best probabilities are the ones that I should protect during the banning process. Uh, and then I make worst case scenario as well, where I take into account that the opponent makes really good bans. Uh, in the end, I have a really good forecast on what to expect uh, result-wise. Uh, the only downside uh, is that sometimes the forecast, forecasted outcome looks like a horror movie and uh, get into matches feeling down and with really low energy. Uh, I, I sometimes put so much trust in the data that I forget that, hey, it's a game. I gotta play the, I gotta play the match. I'm not quite dead yet. Um, and uh, after that, I, when matches are done, done with, I track the accuracy of my forecast again. And uh, the reason why behind why it failed, if it failed, so that I can adjust and make better forecasts and plans in the future. Uh, I would have liked to see the the one about our game. I know it was it wasn't a very it was a very depressing game for you, but it's still very interesting to hear mm. that you have made all these these forecasts and thoughts about about the game. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Did you forecast that result against uh, Zaramis? Uh, I have a forecast, but I can't remember. But I can, uh, I can uh, give it to to you after the show. Yeah, <laughs> you had very bad luck in the last game as yeah. well. I remember yeah. <laughs> yeah. two Valjericos at the bottom of the deck. Yeah, yeah. So, anyway. <laughs> so uh, let me just yeah. let do with, with with your six by six grid. So really, you know, every every row or column is for all six decks versus each one of your decks. Yeah. Yeah. That, that how long does that take you each week? No, I, I since I have a yeah in, for two seasons now I have made a template in in, in Excel, so mm. it's uh, it's really the big work was to set up the template. Uh, mm. It's still still a lot of guessing game and and oh, and guesstimates yeah. and uh, and uh, I have to be sure. To put it, record it as a win or loss. Mm. Otherwise, it's uncertain. Uh, so we got three three uh, categories, and the uncertain ones. Then I have to to check again and, and be really mm. careful with banning and protecting. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Um, and there's and there's so much unknown as well in a game of keyboard. If you if if the one or two key cards that you have is sitting at the bottom of your deck, then your best deck can be completely screwed. Um, yes. at yeah, the same time, so um, you can only be a certain amount of prepared. But I don't think I've ever been as prepared as, as you have been <laughs> um, going down this 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 way as well. So, um, what's what's next? What's after after you've done this 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 win, no, it's just really going going um, play the games and and uh, try to to um, make the best out of it. My my after all, failing to plan is uh, is planning to fail, and uh, <laughs> my approach to the game is uh, that I win or that I learn something. And in, the, in my book, in, and in the long run, that is actually a win-win situation. Um, mm. So, so um, I, I understand how how this uh, sounds very maybe time-consuming. Mm. So, but but I uh, I assure you that I put a lot of more time and effort in when I was uh, wasn't this organized. Mm. Uh, I forgot about what does this deck do, what are the big plays in this deck, and I had to play test, play test mm. to, to, to uh, 
dis- discover what I already knew. Yeah. So, so, so uh, and so, so now you're just reaping the benefits of your your planning now. Yeah. Yeah. Really. I'd, yeah. Which, which, which is a really, really good uh, story. Uh, so I had yeah. a question for you. Uh, all this planning, to me, it sounds a bit like work. But is it something you enjoy doing, or is it something you're just doing because it makes you do well? Uh, is it work or is it fun? Uh, it, it's fun. Uh, it, it maybe sounds like I'm crazy, but but I'm a I'm a spreadsheet guy. I like to theorize and analyze, and I'm well aware of uh, that sometimes it gets too theoretical or almost abstract. Uh, but um, I, I find it very uh, fun, uh, uh, and uh, I almost like to think about Keyforge as much as, as much as I like to play it. Uh, and uh, for each of us, it's uh, always a balancing act. Uh, mm. with a life puzzle don't allow me to play uh, as much as I need to play to be a better player but uh, my thoughts float away and I think much about keyforge strategies combo plays and decks that I need to figure out mm. uh, so so uh, these spreadsheets uh, make, make, make me feel like I'm um, in contact with keyforge a lot more than I actually am and uh, yeah my bo- my body may be held in captivity but my mind is free <laughs> yeah i mean and that's just the beauty of the game i think is where just like every type every different type of person can get something different from the game um it, the way they plan the way they play the way they um how they spend time um with the game um you know it's, it's almost the perfect game even if we can't find the perfect deck for Zaramus, um it's almost one of those perfect games uh <laughs> Uh, in in a lot of ways thank you so much for that journey through your week <laughs> between between games and in preseason there as well um uh, so just to sum up there you know i think we, we have the meta-analysis um side where we're looking back on past data forecasting what people might be choosing coming up and trying to uh, find the best deck selection, but find the best decks from there. And then the deck selection with the SWOT analysis, uh, narrowing down your, uh, your 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 smaller pool of decks to your six decks for the uh, uh, Nordic uh, Hexad format, as I'm dubbing it. Um, I think, although Hydra, I think you came up with Hexad, didn't you, as well? I think if we push it enough, I think people will take on the Hexad. Nordic no, Hexad. Yeah, no, I, I like Nordic Hexad a lot. Uh, yeah, yeah. Um, and then the pregame routines with again going back to the forecasting, um, six by six grid, and just trying to work out all possible uh, outcomes of every single game as well. Um, that's something where I think I'm going to have to give it going a few seasons once my uh, <laughs> kids are a little bit older. Uh, but thank you so much for that. Um, and I think we'll definitely get you back again at the end of the season um, to uh, analyze, analyze your forecasts for this season. Uh, <laughs> I want to see, I want to see how that goes as well. Cause I enjoy, I enjoy data but maybe if I don't yeah. spend the, the time, the time on that as well. Great. Um, before we finish tonight, uh, we have the return of possibly my favorite segment we've had here um, so far. Uh, Zaramis has returned with the library of Polyosaurus. Take it away, Zaramis. Welcome once more as we open the gates into the library of Polyosaurus, where we discover strange historical facts in uh, Keyforge cards and uncover the mysteries hidden therein. This is the part two of uh, my little section about the murder of Saurus Rex that was uh, previously covered in episode, I think it was four. Um, And what we concluded there was that the card Beware the Ides was about the murder of Caesar in uh, the Roman Empire. 
And today we're going to look at the cards giving us the solution to uh, the conundrum about uh, the murder of Saurus Rex, also known as Caesar. Um, and we do this by looking at another card with uh, historical connotations. It is, of course, the card Six Semper Tyrannosaurus, a card that directly ties into uh, the wording of Six Semper Tyrannis. It comes from uh, the historical situation, thus always to tyrants, that the words were spoken after or made up to have been spoken a long time after about the murder of Caesar, as it often is with famous historical quotes. But on this card, we have some interesting uh, things we can look at. First, there is the dinosaur with a knife that we can see. It's a dinosaur with a, wearing a purple cloak, which is the imperial color in ancient Rome and also in the Saurian Republic. Uh, and the wording of the card is et tu bruteron, which is of course uh, uh, something that ties to the famous also made up words of Caesar, et tu brut, which is the accusations thrown at the Brutus, his longtime friend who participated in the murder. And Brutodon is, of course, again, I say this a lot, but uh, it leads us just like uh, Sherlock Holmes. I find it all very obvious. <laughs> uh, it leads us to another card called Brutodon Auxiliary. And if et tu Brutodon calls out the murderer, and uh, Brutodon then is the murderer who has betrayed Caesar, and in the card we see this purple cloak, can we then find any of these signs in the card Brutodon Auxiliary? Uh, and we can, of course. It's a giant beast. The card has the trait beast. So you probably first think, oh, a Brutodon Auxiliary is the beast itself. That's the Brutodon. But the other cards suggest that this is not actually a fact. And Auxiliary means uh, assisting or uh, something that helps you do something in support of. So uh, uh, it's probably the beast being the auxiliary to Bruteron. Um, as we can see on top of the beast on the Bruteron auxiliary card, we have a dinosaur in a purple cloak standing there riding this massive beast, which is, of course, then Bruteron himself on his auxiliary beast. And the beast helps the other dinosaurs by taunting and being a big body to stand in the way of the actual new leaders of the Saurian Republic. Um, so I would say that it's beyond a doubt that Brutodon is not the big beast in the card because that's probably not the one who betrayed Saurus Rex. But Brutodon is the dinosaur on top of that beast. The purple cloaked mysterious dinosaur we've seen in two different pictures. One having the dagger that murdered Saurus Rex and being accused by Saurus Rex in, with its dying breath to be the murderer. So just as a Brutus participated in the murder of Caesar, we can assume that Brutodon is an old friend of Saurus Rex. And I hope personally that uh, FFG listens to this and uh, continues this track and makes Brutodon the new leader card in the next set of Halsarian or whenever Halsarian are still present. So that's a that's little section on this uh, historical mystery. I love this. I think we need to start a petition. <laughs> if they haven't, if they haven't done already. Leader. Yeah, but the leader is obviously dead, like we brought up yeah, last time yeah. in this episode. There is no leader in Dark Tidings. And in the next set with Saurians, we, we should have Brutoron, the purple-cloaked, knife-wielding dinosaur. Yeah, really Whether he becomes the leader or not, I would like to see more cards with Brutodon, see what happens to him after. Mm. Yeah, yeah, we need to know the story, especially after the Dark Ember warped the Senate and made some of the senators step down, such as the Citizen Shrix that was thrown out of the Senate after he was mutated by the Dark Ember. Well, he lost the election, actually. Yeah. It says, oh, on, yeah. It says on the flavor text that he lost. It's true. He was mutated after he lost the election. Yeah. <laughs> Yep. Uh, you just, I just love this game more and more every week. Um, it was apparently in episode three as a Hydro 
has informed me here. Episode three. There we go. Then, if you if you're joining, uh, if you're late to the party with this podcast, uh, go back and listen to episode three. Beware the meta. Um, obviously, which is a play on the word "beware the eyes" of that card um, as well. So we brought everything together in yeah. that one as well. I really hope we get another um, history uh, segment soon. Where are you going to go with that? Uh, not quite sure yet, but there must be some more history, some more uh, um, real life uh, backstory from yeah, uh, some other cards as well. So thank you so much for that. Uh, I wanted to add one thing about Citizen Tricks that I like a lot about that card, uh, that he has an ability to steal. And it's like he's sort of like a former politician who's using his his connections to for mm. his own gain. It's kind well, of the flavor. The first card is also that, because, but then he uses his ember to pay for stuff. He pays for your keys. Mm. Yeah. So <laughs> he's he or I don't know if it's he or she, but uh, well, uh, yeah. yeah. The, the, this creature. This... Clearly, is a bit uh, a bit corrupt. Is my is my interpretation? Yeah, because the difference there is that the uh, Senator Shrix exalts, um, and you gain one when reaping as well, uh, and then you can spend anything on that card for keys. Whereas Citizen Shrix, you're just exalting and stealing. Yep. Um, so they both are corrupt, but one of them yeah. uses it to forge keys, and the other person takes from the opponent. So one who could argue yes. that citizen tricks is less of a corrupt one than the senator tricks. Not anyway. all mutations are bad. <laughs> <laughs> okay, fantastic. I think that brings us to the end of our episode uh, for this evening. Um, where can they find you guys um, on uh, in in Discord on the socials? Um, what, what is the, what okay, yeah, is I'll go first. Uh, I'm on uh, I'm on the Nordic Keyforge uh, Discord. I'm on Sanctimonious Discord and some other Discords, and I'm Hydro underscore Attack on Twitter. All right, uh, I'm Zaramis in basically everywhere. Uh, I frequent a bunch of different uh, Discord servers, most uh, frequently the Nordic Keyforge uh, po- uh, Discord. And also I'm part of Team Swindle in uh, the Keyforge world. So you can find me there as well. Cool. And I don't uh, have can- Twitter. <laughs> oh, you don't have Twitter. Uh, Candyman, uh, where can we find you um, on, 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 on the interweb? On the interweb, uh, I was about to say the local pub, but uh, <laughs> um, you find me on the Discord channel uh, as j.kandika. Uh, mm. Cool. So uh, hit Candyman up and uh, give your admiration to his uh, pre-game routines there as well. Candyman, thank you so much for taking the time out to join us this evening. Uh, absolutely fantastic. Um, uh, well, that's it. I am uh, the captain, um, Jason, the captain, Kirk on Discord at uh, Run As To Win on Twitter. Long story behind that one uh, for another day. Um, also under the same thing on Instagram as well, but I don't post Instagram uh, Keyforge stuff as well. So unless you want to see pictures of my back garden, um, you don't need to worry about finding me on Instagram there. <laughs> Other than that, you can find us all at the uh, on our website, nkfl.online. And uh, hit us up, ask us questions, give us abuse, give us praise, whatever you want. Really great to hear from you um love to know how you're enjoying the 10 episodes that we've done so far i love the run that we're going on with this hope that we can carry on uh going even more but um Jonas, do you want to take us out okay uh thanks everyone for listening um i certainly got some ideas now for how to better prepare for my games uh i might give this uh, uh six by six analysis where you put all the possible matchups. I might give this a shot for my next game. See how that goes. Um, And uh, see you next week. See you next week. Bye from the captain. 
or not, because I might not be here. Best <laughs> 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 <laughs>